Welcome to Much More Much Year with Pup Duffy and Kara Lane, an Aunt Imagination production. All right, so we are here today with Asher Levin. He is the director of this incredible film I just watched called Dig with Thomas Jane, Emil Hirsch, Harlow Jane, uh, and Leanna Liberato. How are you doing? I know we started off crazy, but how are you doing Uh-oh. today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much, by the way, for 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 uh, saying you like the movie. Good. <laughs> I well, I'm a huge Thomas Jane fan. I mean, who's not, right? Yeah, he's great. He's the best. But how did you how did you come to to dig? How did you come to this film and this this gritty, suspenseful thing? How did you come to it? Uh I, I I actually came to it. It was a really fast process. There was a project that I it's coming out next month. Another Thomas Jane project called Slayers, uh, a really fun vampire movie that I've been working on for a really long time. Uh, and uh, and that while I was in post on that, my producing partner on that film and a few others that I that I've done, uh, Daniel Cummings, uh, came to me. He had already had this project um, and when working with the writers and Thomas had already looked at it and really liked it for him and Harlow. And they were just sort of figuring out who the director was going to be. And I was editing Slayers, but I loved the movie. I loved, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the core of, uh, you know, sort of trauma pulling apart uh, this father and daughter and then ultimately bringing them back together through another traumatic, you know, instinct. I'm a parent. uh, And I, we, you know, it was obviously the last few years have been pretty traumatic. And I had some health mm-hmm. trauma stuff myself too, so I really related. Uh, and um, and then uh, you know the Emil element of it was we were looking for someone you know to play opposite Thomas. Uh, the script was written a little differently back then. The character was uh, ex cop, um, and his and he had a couple partners with him. Uh, they were and they were also ex cops. And Emil mm-hmm. and I t- talked a lot about it, wanted to do something really different here. And so uh, after talking to him, I suggested to everyone, you know, what if we went with a sort of lovers on the run, Mickey and Mallory kind of uh, thing, because, uh, you know, from my love of, of, you know, everything from Bonnie and Clyde, Badlands, you know, True Romance, uh, you know, uh, Natural Born Killers and, and so many other amazing uh, overseas films uh, that, that use sort of, you know, the violence of romance as a, as a language. So I thought it was a really great juxtaposition for a, for a four-person movie, really. Uh, you know, uh, one side is incredibly tragic and, um, and heartfelt, and the other side is completely unhinged. Um, and so you have family drama, and you're juxtaposing it with, um, with just wild, psychotic uh, personalities. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, that's okay. So, yeah, I mean, once we kind of came up with that formula and you know, I, I, I worked with the writers, um, kind of did a rewrite and, and really fleshed it out. And um, they were very giving and allowed me to kind of, you know, put my own spin on the material. Uh, and uh, then, you know, I, I linked up with the actors and we started rehearsing a lot. Uh, and honestly, from the time I came on, which was officially like the beginning of February, we started shooting in April. So it was literally six weeks for me from the time I started doing rewrites to the time I was on the ground. Wow. Yeah. That's so it really, it, I would, I would love to say it was a labor of love because I do love it as if it was, but it was really a job. And then, a, and then I just became like, I love these kind of movies and I've always wanted to make one and I want to make it really amazingly so I can make a bunch more that are a lot just like it, you know? Right. And I like how you, you mentioned uh, true romance, natural born killers, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, because you do have that. Well, 
in two ways. You have on the one side with Emil and, um, sorry, Liana's character or Liana's yep. character, that twisted love, right? Yep. That weird, nasty, almost uh, murderous yep. <laughs> type. Toxic, of, yeah, for sure. Exactly, relationship. But also on the other side, you have uh, Thomas and Harlow's characters, father and daughter, also in a love relationship, not weird. Yep. <laughs> a familial no not weird at all i think yeah and 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 you know we talked a lot early on about this sort of uh very bloody very twisted kind of version of paper moon because mm -hmm. obviously they're really father daughter and um i think that there's a handful of movies that have done it before uh i'm the response i've gotten is that it, it's you know upper echelon with regards to their performances and that's a credit to them mm -hmm. uh for understanding how to take their personal materials and and put them on the screen and be really bare with it um uh, uh but yeah i think it's a really nice uh really nice sort of compliment to you know both sides and everybody mm -hmm. was just jumped all the way in uh to to you know to really executing it correctly right and also it's it, it can be tricky because in the film harlow her character is is deaf yeah um from i don't want to spoil it but from the incident with them she's hearing on. impaired correct yes yeah that's right. Right. And, and that's due to the traumatic event yes so that be kind of tricky because you have to be careful with it you know so that you don't offend or you don't yep. uh, you know the the community that you're representing and i think that it was done very well it was very subtle yeah like obviously she was hard of hearing but it wasn't like hey guys hey guys look 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 she's deaf she's deaf you know no I and honestly, uh, you know, movies like Coda and stuff hadn't come out yet. They, mm. Or they had just come out of Sundance. And I know that there's been a, a couple since. Uh, this was not a trend-seeking thing. Um, right. The writers had it in their script for, you know, a couple of years. And um, we were very, very sensitive to it. Harlow specifically was is such a wonderful young actress. And she did so many hours of research. And we had someone on set. And we wanted to make sure that the hearing impaired community felt represented. And mm -hmm. I think one of the cool things is that it's a movie that is not about that. It is mm -hmm. just something that defines one of the characters. And, you know, uh, my belief, especially when you're dealing with genre and, and you know, movies that, that people see that are entertaining, is it's so great to have, you know, a little bit of uh, broccoli with your candy, right? And right. so to be able to represent a community in a, a really honest way that 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 actually plays into the plot of the film uh, is the best best way to do it. Right. It was it was subtle, I think. Yeah, we talked a lot about the film filmmaking wise. That was a big thing for me. Was how do I present this in a way that doesn't feel cloying? You know, how do I make sure that it doesn't overwhelm scenes? So you know, myself and my editor Mark and uh, the fantastic sound team over at Buffalo A Post Production, we came up with sound design. Uh, my cinematographer Stephen and I came up with a sort of visual language of eyes and, and mouths, and uh, we didn't use it that much, as you noticed and you pointed out. It's 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 not all the time, and it's a very delicate delicate balance of wanting to make sure that your one of your lead characters is represented in the correct way, but at the same time not wanting it to be like, look at us, we're doing a hearing impaired action movie, you know, like that's because that's not what you right. want. Right. Um, it takes you out of the scene. It's very complicated. Yeah. And you didn't you didn't make him perfect like they didn't because it it's not like years have gone by no. in between the event and, and the future traumatic event. Nope. Uh, but 
it, you didn't make him perfect. Like, oh, yes, of course, we're fluent in American Sign Language, you know. Right. After a- yeah, I mean, one of the things I tend that, by the way, that's a credit to Thomas. You know, he kept pushing and saying, I wouldn't learn that in that amount of time. Yeah. And if I did, I certainly wouldn't be be acknowledging it because I am withholding this inside myself. I don't want to admit that my daughter has these issues because they're my fault. So there's a really beautiful point at the very end of the movie, not spoiling anything, but there's a perfect point in the, in the end of the movie where he finally shows his daughter that although he has been unwilling to, that he knows everything and that he's been yeah. studying and that he knows how to communicate with his daughter. And, and then he finally has that moment and it's really poignant. It's in a very strange part of the film and the editing of that credits to my editor um, the editing of that was very, very complicated because <laughs> on the other side of it is a, definitely not a heartfelt scene. It is a wild sort of Tarantino-inspired exchange between the two lovers. And so, you know, sort of finding the balance there. And really that's, the movie is kind of about that. It's like the, the pathos and the levity of, of this very tight sort of Hitchcock-style crime thriller. Yeah, and I think it, I think it was very, um, like your choice of location your choice of um, yeah. the way filming at night and filming um, inside the house and gave it like this dark gritty feeling, which I think just added like, I don't know, this this dreadful seasoning that we needed, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We, um, I think I talked about this a couple of other times before, but we, once I got out there and, and saw The Expanse, fantastic. Very, very funny character named Ross, who uh, whose grandparents, I think, or great grandparents owned this place. And um, it was huge. I mean, there's barns and there's stables and there's cows and all this. It's, it's, it's I'm 20, you know, 40 acres. It's crazy. Um, we just took a little tiny portion of it. But once we were out there, uh, I just wanted to sort of live it. And, um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, the darkness... I like shooting movies that are dark and it tends to veer towards darkness then. Uh, but the daytime stuff, we were pretty intentional about basically shooting magic hour and blocking the scene since we were there all the time. So uh, you'll notice basically from like the, the 30 minute mark until the end, anytime that there's daylight scene, it does have this sort of dreadful um, nightmare uh, feeling of light where um, we're never really in the sunlight. And whenever we are, it's overcast. And most of the time, it is it, it it feels like it's twilight or dusk because that's when we shot and we just block shot it. We shoot one side and we come and shoot another side another day because uh, we're there. And um, it, it really it really creates a a, a pretty um, disorienting feeling, which is to, to echo the feeling that the uh, the leads in the film have. Right, like the the outer environment uh, reflects the inner environment. One hundred percent. That's right. Here in Florida, there's this weird phenomenon. It's kind of like right after it's stormed, but the sun is still trying to come out like from behind a gray cloud. And it's just like a sickly feeling. That's exactly like the the coloration and and the the lighting that we got in this film. Yeah. Once we went in to color the film, that was that was my biggest aim was to take not to desaturate the film because it's not desaturated, but to take the warm colors away yeah um and and actually uh you'll notice that the first section before it jumps forward in time is not mm-hmm. like that it is it, it we actually use it's a little more saturated and in the very end of the movie when the sun comes up it, it is a little bit more uh there are a little more colors too it's not overly pronounced because i'm not an overly pronounced kind of filmmaker 
but mm-hmm. it, it definitely has a little bit of, um, you know, a, a intention to it. Uh, there's a film, you know, uh, to, I was just thinking about the film 13, the mm-hmm. Catherine Hardwick film. And, and, and it, it does a very similar thing, but it's very pronounced. But it is, it, it literally starts with colors. And by, by the time you get to the end of act, act uh, two, uh, it's almost looking like black and white in that film. Uh, um, and so I think here it was really just how do we, um, how do we, I, I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm definitely not an objective filmmaker. I'm very subjective. Um, so how do we kind of uh, evoke what the, what the, uh, the actors, uh, the characters are, are feeling? Right. And it's, it's kind of a, a delineation or demarcation, you know, before and after, yeah. but then for kind of again, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, yeah, absolutely. The, 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 I, I love the, the end, you know, I haven't talked about this on any interview, the end song and the end section is, is really so beautiful. And everybody asked me my favorite section in the movie. Uh, and I, I, I always forget it really is the very, very end of the film. Um, the, the song is written by a former bandmate of mine, Dwayne Betts. Um, we got it. It's beautiful and um, it, it's hopeful and it kind of almost lets you take an emotional shower at the end of the movie <laughs> and feel okay as you walk out the door, you know? Well, it, you're right. And it is, it's a, a gorgeous song and it is exactly that feeling. It's like, we just like traumatized you. We just scared you. We just... <laughs> Made your blood pressure go up, but here's a hug before you leave the theater. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, it, look, it's classic. You know, I'm a, I'm a cinephile. It's classic, like you know, 1950s, you know, 1960s thriller filmmaking, where you take someone down a road, and then at the end, there's, there's a, a promise of light. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's something I was, I was talking, but I was talking to a. a a couple of young dudes that had made a horror anthology, a little four part, four part anthology. Mm-hmm. Ah, ah, ah. And then the last one was funny. And I told them, I'm like, I appreciated that so much because you can get so like <gasps> about it. Yeah. <laughs> so when you have humor or in your case, when you have, you know, a, a beautiful song, a beautiful um, ending, a, a beautiful wrapping up of look, they're yep. okay. They survived yep. it. To, you know, spoilers. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> no, that's okay. I mean, I, by the way, this is not the movie has suspense, but you know, uh, like I said before, it's it's a cathartic experience. I I showed it. I remember uh, showed it to some people really early on. They were very stressed out, sort of in the movie yeah. theater, <laughs> and they said, "Fact, that was really really intense film." Uh, I don't. I never thought of it as intense, to be honest. I just sort of this is just the way my I am a sort yeah. of intense person, um, and so uh, I'm funny. Uh, as you can tell from the movie, there's a lot of comedy in the film, but, um, you know, I like, and I, I don't find movies intense that intense. I find them at the, my wavelength, like a Sappy Brothers right. movie or, you know, something by, you know, Scorsese or Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, those are just sort of like, great, we're moving, we're, we're doing stuff, you know, we're not sitting around. In theaters and on digital and demand, September 23rd, dig. <laughs> And see it in a movie theater if it's near you. It's great, obviously, to see a movie in a movie theater. But also, you know, this is not, this is a, I, I want to say my movie cinematic, but I also want to say that um, movies like this I grew up watching uh, mm-hmm. on TV. Uh, and, uh, and, and you know, some of the movies that we think are these cinematic sort of have to be in theater films of, you know, now, uh, they, they were movies that most people found on home video in the 90s. 
you know, and I, I think that this is kind of a similar kind of film, like, you know, Usual Suspects or, you know, uh, Reservoir Dogs or Heart Eight or something like that, where, you know, it might have, it's a nice story that it was out in a movie theater, but most people saw it at home. So you can enjoy this movie uh, at home. And you'd have a good time. It's, it's yeah. short and, uh, and it, it gives you a lot. And it's fun. And the performances are really, really, really incredible. Right. And you can pause it if it gets to be too much. And you can take a minute. <laughs> I don't see that. But okay. I, 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 yeah, I guess it's more intense than I thought it was. But yeah, if you get freaked out by a couple of the scenes, it's a little too pulse pounding. You can take a break and, uh, you know, go kiss your kids. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you, you can go fill up your wine glass if you're a drinker. Yeah. Or you can refill your 100 percent. yeah i know we don't have much time but you said slayers that's going to be out soon as well you're finishing it up that that is going to be out soon if you if you'd like to do a follow-up that's a very different kind of movie (laughs) so just um i will uh i'll tell the team uh but yeah you guys should you guys should check out slayers too it'll be out on uh october uh 21st just in time for halloween uh yep and that uh is a crazy movie and if you have any time uh, I'd love to come back. It's a whole lot of more of Thomas and uh, kind of in a different in his sort of Punisher mode. Very much so. A lot of people are excited that that he's sort of back battling and being badass. But if you want to see him be just really fantastic and embracing this sort of, you know, neo-Western, you know, styles of people like Kevin Costner and Harrison Ford, um, then this is the movie for you because he he really has a, a such a beautiful performance in the film. That's and obviously Emil, Liana, you know, Harlow, what can I say about them? I, their, their work speaks for themselves. And, you know, if you guys have seen Emil Hirsch before act in a, a movie where you're like, that's really incredible acting, then, you know, it, it's at that level. He's, he, he really brought it. He's a strange but phenomenal actor. I think just like interacting with him on social media he can be a little quirky but he is amazing yeah he is quirky he's quirky but a great guy i consider him a friend of mine at this point and uh, a really really special performer we're gonna not get off on a tangent but when he he did into the wild that was one of the the best films i've ever seen i would say oh yeah absolutely i but i I, people who've seen this have said it's it's up there with his top performances it's up and like into the wild and milk and you know, and and uh, in, in the film he did with David Gordon Green, uh, I think it's called Prince Avalanche, you know, and, and sort of in that tier, uh, which I'm I'm so blessed for. And I definitely want to, since we're talking about the two men, I want to give really, really big shout outs to, to the women in this movie. Harlow's first movie, she calls it her first official film, because she's done some smaller ones. Uh, she's doing a Rebecca Miller movie next. Uh, and then um, Liana is a very, very underrated talent. She's been working since she was a kid. She's going to be in the new Scream film. And uh, she's so fantastic in this movie. Yeah, and it's so funny. When I saw Harlow Jane, I was like, isn't that? And then that made me feel old because I was like, hold on. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, right? But how fun to work with, with, your, you know, with your dad on a film. They have a great relationship. A really, really great relationship. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty tight. That's awesome. Yeah, no, um, Asher, definitely let's set up a time to yes. talk to Halloween and closer to yeah, the release. Yeah, because the process on that movie was really crazy, and it, it's a really interesting story. <laughs> I started making that, trying to make that movie uh, 12 years ago, 15, 12 years ago, and it was uh, originally going to be sort of a, uh, a revisionist take on Howard Hughes as a vampire. 
and then uh, kind of evolved from there after my um, my eight years uh, working in the in the world of uh, sort of influencer content. Um, and then uh, and then it evolved even after we shot the movie. It was the first cut of the movie was very evocative and very dark. And then uh, we kind of transformed it into this gonzo. I like to say, uh, what did I say yesterday? Oh, John Carpenter by way of Looney Tunes. That's the way I've been describing it. Um, so basically a Sam Raimi movie. But but yeah, it's it, it, it's like Sam Raimi if Sam Raimi grew up and was working in the internet age so he could do a bunch of crazy graphics around everything. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. It looks phenomenal. Yep. Right. Um, cool. Well, yeah, we'll we'll get it going on that. 